Good morning, church. How are we? Okay, my name is Kirsten Jennings. Um, I am a ministry leader for Playgroup, um, which is lots of fun on Wednesday mornings. Um, I'm also involved in the street ministry team. Um, so if you need a Bible, we're doing the Bible reading now. Um, if you don't want, you can have one, uh, grab one from the back up there and it's yours to keep. Um, it's our gift to you. So we are reading from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of, the friend, because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Baptist, um, welcome again. Uh, my name is RJ. I'm the associate pastor here, and I'll be preaching or I'll be sharing the word of God today. Um, if you don't mind, let, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we ask that you will speak to us now but also you will send your Holy Spirit in our lives so that not only we'll be able to hear you, but we'll be able to obey. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as we said, we are going through a short series on prayer. And really, we want to show you why praying should be easy. Because prayer is not easy. Prayer, I would consider, is as one of the most weirdest, most difficult, most awkward, and most testing Christian practice. Uh, prayer, for me, is, is a struggle. In fact, I find it easier to preach for half an hour than to sincerely pray for 30 minutes. Because never have I preached for 30 minutes and have fallen asleep while preaching. But I've prayed countless of times, and after five minutes, I'm dead asleep. And when I preach, I don't get distracted thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch or if I left the heater on. But I've prayed so many times and I've forgotten that I've actually, I'm actually praying. I struggle with prayer. And I bet most of you would admit that you do as well. So why is it so hard to pray? If prayer is simply talking to God, then why don't we pray more? Or why don't we have such an exciting prayer life? Is it because it's too weird that we're talking to someone we cannot see? Or maybe it's the awkwardness that we're not hearing an audible response. Or maybe it's the difficulty of regularly and repeating ourselves over and over again. Uh, whatever it is, prayer is definitely not easy. And there's no doubt that the disciples themselves, they struggled to pray because uh, in, our, in our passage, in the chapter, verse 1, it says that disciples requested Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. See, in verse 1, they saw Jesus praying and they thought, we want that kind of prayer life that Jesus has. 
Maybe they sensed the, the deep intimacy and sincerity in Jesus' prayer. Maybe they felt this really strong sense of, I don't know, spirituality in Jesus' prayer. We don't know what kind of attracted them, but they can see that Jesus prays really, really well. And so Jesus started to teach them how to pray. And the lesson that Jesus gives is that he corrects their understanding and their attitude when they pray. So it's really about the why. And last week we said that one key to a good prayer life is to seek intimacy in prayer. That one of the purposes, if not the most important reason of why we pray is simply because we want to be in the very presence of God as we pray. When we pray, we said we are to be like Mary who sits at the feet of Jesus, just enjoying being with Jesus. What makes prayer easy is when we actually enjoy being in the very presence of God. That if you love someone, you simply enjoy their presence. And we said that it's like wasting time. When you love someone, you simply waste time with that person. It's not a chore, but it's a privilege to be with them. And so when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, Jesus pointed out in these verses uh, our attitude towards the one we're praying to. And that's what we're looking at today. We have, in a way, uh, three illustrations that Jesus gives, which teaches, which teaches us three things about prayer. The passage is telling us three types of attitude that we need to have when we pray. And we need all three, uh, I guess, or, or else it won't work. And so we are to pray. The three things are, we are to pray shamelessly, we are to pray repeatedly, and we are to pray trustingly, okay? We can find that in our passage today. So shamelessly, repeatedly, and trustingly. So the first one, the story is we have a man who's in bed, verse 6, and it's midnight, it says. Uh, during their time in culture, when there's no electricity, midnight literally means in the middle of the night. It means when the whole family is already fast asleep. Uh, and in, in a typical Jewish home, it will be a one-bedroom house. So verse 7, literally, it also says, I'm in bed with all my family, with my children. So in the middle of the night, his neighbor comes in with a request and take note of the request because Jesus is really exaggerating here. He doesn't, he doesn't wake up his neighbor because his house is on fire or because someone is dying or he's being robbed. He said, hey, wake up. I need your help because I need some bread. So imagine your neighbor wakes you up three in the morning. He says, hey, I really need your help. I'm baking a cake. I've run out of sugar. Or can I borrow some? Can I have some milk? What would you say? What would you think? And again, it's an exaggeration. But look at the response to this really stupid request. It's basically the, the, the neighbor says, get lost. What is wrong with you? Do you know what time it is? And so rightly so in verse 7, he says, don't bother me. I can't get up. And also notice that they're not just neighbors. They're friends. Verse 8 even says that, I tell you, even though he will not get up to give you bread because of friendship. So in a way, Jesus is saying, even though they're really good friends, he won't do it. That friendship is not a good reason to give bread at midnight. But... And here's the key to the story, the second half of verse 8. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. 
Jesus is saying the neighbor will not get up even because of their friendship, because of good friendship, but he will get up because of your shameless audacity. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying your friend will not get up to be gracious to you with your really unreasonable request, but God will. And so this is how you should pray with shameless audacity. Now, maybe your Bibles will translate that as boldness, to pray with boldness, which is nice. But the word there is actually a negative word, which can be translated as rudeness or disrespect. And that's why I think the NIV actually gets it right, that the idea of asking shamelessly, even though you are very much undeserving or unworthy to ask. Now, I know a lot of people, maybe some of you, are very good with asking shamelessly, uh, especially when asking for a discount. Uh, you buy something, no matter how cheap it is, you'll always have this shameless audacity to ask for a discount. No, not me. I'm, I'm really bad at it because I'm, I'm really embarrassed to ask. But, see, that's the attitude here. Jesus says when you're talking to God, you put all shame aside. Ask with confidence. Ask daringly. But see, this goes against what most religion believes. Because the most, most uh, major religions would say that you cannot approach God in a very personal way. You cannot talk to him with shameless audacity. Instead, you come in and you bear weight of your shame before him. You crawl on your knees when you get to God. And I guess in some way they're right. If God is God, and we're nothing but sinful, rebellious, created beings then how can we have this audacity to come before him and ask? Well, the answer is in the beginning of Jesus' teaching. He said that when you pray, you say, Father, acknowledge that you are talking to your dad. That the basis of our prayer is our relationship. And last week we said that Jesus pointed out that when you pray, you start by acknowledging the type of relationship that you have. You say, Father. You must pray shameless, shamelessly because you are his child. The key to the whole thing is that the Christian doctrine of adoption, that you're, you're not just creation, you're a child. You're not just a servant, you're a son, you're a daughter. The good news or the gospel says that because of what Jesus has done, you now have this incredible relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And so verses 11 to 13 even there, the metaphor changes. It says that how much more your father in heaven will give. And see, that's, that's the key. That's, that's very important. See, Jesus didn't say when you pray, our creator in heaven, even though he is. He didn't say when you pray, our judge who art in heaven, even though he is. Instead, he said to, to start by saying, our father because that is the only reason why you can ask shamelessly. Because we're talking to our dad. And I'm sure most of us understand that, that, that children can ask and often ask shamelessly. Dad, can we go there? Dad, can you buy me this? Dad, can I have this? Kids ask shamelessly all the time. They're pushing the boundaries. They're testing how far you'll go. They're, they're, they're hurting your back pockets and confidently asking for things. And they ask 
regardless of their behavior or their attitude. Sometimes even though they're in trouble, even though they know you're angry, they will still have the audacity to ask something. Why? Why? Why do children do that? Because they know that they are privileged. They can ask without being judged, that they know that they have a place of belonging. They know that they are special, that they are loved. In fact, there are things that you might do for your kids that you might not do for your spouse. For example, if, you, if your spouse uh, wakes you up in the middle of the night and he or she says that, hey, can you get me a, a glass of water? I'm really thirsty. You're probably going to ask, why? Are, are you sick? What's, what's wrong with you? If there's nothing wrong, you'll probably say, well, get up. Get up yourself. I'm sleeping. I've got work tomorrow. But if your two-year-old comes to you and wakes up and says, hey, daddy, I'm really thirsty. How do you respond? You will get up even though you're struggling just to do it. And see, that's what Jesus is saying here. Christian prayers, they, they model this kind of relationship between father and child, between parent and child. When you ask, you ask with such confidence like a child. But here's the problem. The problem is some of you, you don't see yourself as a child or you don't see God as a father. Instead, you, you, you treat him like a boss. The reason your prayer life seems so detached is because it's, it's based on this employer and employee relationship. See, if you're an employee you want, and you ask for a raise or a promotion, the only way you can ask if you can prove how much you've worked hard, how deserving you are. You ask with confidence, but only if you can say, hey, look what I've done for the company. Look how much overtime I've been doing. Look how much money I've brought in for the business. Therefore, I deserve to get something back. I deserve to be treated and be paid better, right? See, you, you seek justice. You only want what you think would be fair for you. And most Christians fail to pray is because they don't feel that they've pleased God enough. You think that I'll try to be good first, then I'll ask him. He won't listen to me unless I've, I've proven myself. Or if you do pray, you, you'll, you'll enter a bargain where, Lord, if I do this for you, then can you make sure that you do this for me? You make a deal, and, and that's how businesses talk. It, in a business, you draw up a contract, you make terms, you lay out all the conditions before you. But a child doesn't ask their parents that way. They confidently ask without justifying their demand. They just ask. And not on their terms of performance, but on the terms of the relationship. And see, John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Your entitlement is given to you for free because of your faith through Jesus Christ. In a business transaction, you demand justice. You deserve based on your performance. In a family relationship, you demand love, right? What you inherit is based on your relationship. Do you see the difference? And that's why... why 
the way you pray can really be telling, can tell you whether you truly understand the gospel or not, or whether you're truly a Christian or not. Most people think to be a Christian is if I do something for God, if I try to please him and worship him, he'll then bless me. But that makes him your boss. But the Bible tells us that we are adopted, that adoption is not a change of nature or it's not even a change of your behavior. Adoption is a change of your status by the act of the father. So now you can simply enjoy the privilege and the intimacy of the unconditional acceptance from him. That's adoption. If a king adopts you, you automatically becomes a prince or a princess. If the president adopts you, you you automatically become the, the first son or the first daughter. If Elon Musk adopts you, it makes you an heir to billions of dollars. Adoption automatically changes your status regardless of your performance. If the God of the universe adopts you, the Bible says it means that you are an heir to all of creation and now you have this access to the Father, and that's why you can ask him with shameless audacity. That's the first point. I know it's a long point, but the next ones will be shorter. Now, secondly, we should ask repeatedly. Not only are we, asked to sh are we called to ask shamelessly, but we're ought to do it repeatedly. Now, the story is really telling us to, to bother God. Again, like a child bothering uh, his parents. In verse 9, Jesus likens prayer into knocking. Knock, the knock and the door will be opened to you. Uh, you don't, and we know you don't just knock once. You do it repeatedly until someone's opened, someone uh, opens the door. Uh, and in Luke 18 we find a very similar story. You can just flick over there, Luke 18. Uh, you'll see in verse 1 says that Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them, that, to show them how they should pray and not give up. And then he gave a similar illustration where a woman keeps asking this judge for justice. Day and night, everywhere he goes, this woman is just crying out to this judge and just annoying him. And finally, the judge gave up and he says, look, I'm going to do it, not because I'm a good judge or I'm a good person, but because you are so annoying. <laughs> That's what it says in the parable. And so verse 7 in, in Luke 18 still, it says, and will not God... Bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. And the point being that Jesus wants us to bother God. He wants us to wrestle in prayer with God. Now, some of you think that, well, if I say to God once, if I say all my needs to God, isn't that enough? Well, in a way, it's true that you don't really need to repeat yourself. Uh, in fact, we don't even have to say anything. God already knows what we need. But remember that God is a father. He's not a computer. You're, in a computer, you only put in information once. You put in, if you put in the same file or the same command in a computer, uh, it, will, it, will, it, will not, uh, it will not go in. There's no point of repetition. But God is our father. And in a relationship, repetition is very important. The repetition of a child asking her or his, fa um, her or his father, it builds up intimacy. And as parents, we, we sometimes wait for these repetitions before we give something to our child. Because it's a reminder for our children, for the child, who they're asking and in what terms they're asking. 
It's a reminder for the child that, that his or her parents loves her and wants what's good for her. I mean, even for myself, I love it when my kids remind me of the promises that I make. Dad, you promise that we're going to go here. Dad, you promise that you're going to buy me this. Dad, you promised this a long time ago. And have you noticed that if you read the prayers in the Bible, you'll see most of them is nothing but a repetitive reminder of what God has promised to his children. Hey, God, you promised to Abraham that you will give us the land of milk and honey. Hey, God, you promised to David that you will restore this land. Hey, God, you promised long ago that there will be justice. See, God the Father wants us to be going to him, to be depending on him. And the Father wants us to, to, see, to see, he wants us to, to go to him regularly, spending time with him, seeking his presence. Because he knows there's nothing more we need than his presence and his love. Therefore, we need to knock repeatedly we need to keep going to him he wants our relationship he wants us it's the same reason why why you need to repeatedly say to your wife i love you because repetition builds relationship you can't just say hey stop asking me if i love you i mean i told you back in 1967 when we got first married once is enough i'll i'll tell you if something changes Right? Your, your wife is not a computer. She's a person. And relationship needs repetition and reminders. And one possible reason why you don't sense this intimacy with God is because you don't enter his presence through prayer often enough. That it's telling us it's okay to bother God. It's okay to be asking all the time. We are to remind God of his promises. Not because he needs reminding, but he wants our reminding. He wants our presence to be before him. So a child, as a child, we need to pray shamelessly. We need to pray regularly. And thirdly, we're called to pray trustingly. Now this is equally important because you're thinking does this mean that if i can if i ask whatever i want as long as i repeatedly ask god will give it well the answer is it's in the verse it says that according to the story does a parent give anything a child wants or should a parent give anything a child asks for look at verse 11 fathers if your child asks for a fish will you give him a snake or if he asks for an egg will you give him a, give him a scorpion the point is a good father, our good parent knows what to give and when to give it. That we can even turn the question around and ask, if your child asks for a snake or a scorpion, will you give it to them? Well, I think the answer is no. Because imagine if your four-year-old child gets hold of Aladdin's lamp. And they say, here, here, honey, you, you, you can get any three wishes that you would like. It doesn't matter what it is, it will happen. Now, do you think that's good for them? You think it will be good for the world, whatever they're going to ask? See, often children, they don't fully realize the implication of what they're asking for. And we know that there's a big difference between the wisdom of a four-year-old and the wisdom of a 40-year-old parent. But imagine the difference between the wisdom of a 40-year-old and the wisdom of a God who lived for all eternity. 
that even for, for a 40-year-old or an 80-year-old, compared to the knowledge and the vast wisdom of God, we will still be asking the wrong things. See, wise parents won't just give in to any demands that their kids are asking for. And children don't have to know the reason behind every decision that parents make. All they have to know is that they can trust their parents. And that's why we often say to our kids, hey, no, you can't have that. Trust me, you won't like it. Or trust me, it's not good for you. So the younger they are, we discern what's good for them and what's bad for them because we love them and we know we know better. How much more does God love and knows us? If you are a Christian and you've been asking God for something and he has not given it to you, maybe it's because you've been asking for a scorpion. Maybe he's, ask, he's making the right choice for your sake because you can't see the full, the full picture of things. And maybe you're mad about it. Maybe it's because you, you want your prayers to be like Aladdin's lamp. But prayers doesn't work that way. That God is all-powerful. He can really give you anything you ask for. But he's also your father. So he'll only give what's good for you. And that's how prayers work. In fact, in our passage, it says, How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, we won't analyze that uh, today. Because next week, I'll, I'll talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our prayers. But it's saying that the best thing that God can give when we pray and ask is the Holy Spirit and not the specific things that we're asking for. So maybe if you're bitter towards God because he's not answering your prayers at the moment the way you want it to go, perhaps what you lack is trust. That we're called to ask with shameless audacity. We're called to do it repeatedly. But in the end, we have to realize that whatever answer we receive, we can trust him. Because he is our father after all. Now you're wondering, well, how do I know? Especially if you're not a Christian, how do I know I can trust him? How do I know that he'll really give what's best for me? Well, the answer is, well, look at the cross. The cross is the evidence that he will go to the extreme to give you everything that you need. He knows that you need salvation, that you need forgiveness, that you need new life. You need someone to pay for your sins. And he went all the way to his death just to save you. That if he, that if he is willing to go that far, can we not trust him with the smallest things in life at this moment? If the father is willing to give up his one and only son, and if the son is willing to go to the cross to give up his life for your sake, can you not trust him with the problems you're facing now? I know a good father would sacrifice their kidney for their child. A good father would sacrifice their career advancement for their children. A good father would go to extreme lengths for their child. And Jesus says, you who are evil, would give good things, how much more your good heavenly father would do for you. And we see that when the father gave up his son and the son gave up his life on the cross. That's how we know. And also look at the resurrection. The resurrection is the clear evidence that he knows what is best. He, that he will work out all things for your good and his glory. Now, I'm sure most of us 
are praying for something at this very moment. Maybe you're praying to find work. Maybe you're praying to where to find the next mortgage repayment in this uh, inflating economy. Maybe you're praying for a relationship to work. Maybe you're praying for good health. You're praying for some sort of a blessing. You're praying for spiritual transformation. And you're not getting it. You're lost. You're confused. You're angry. You're anxious. You're scared. You don't know if you can trust God at this very moment. You don't know if your prayers are working. Look at the cross. God is saying, look how much I've done for you. Can you not trust me with your little worry at this very moment? He's not your boss. He's not a computer. He's not a genie. He's your father. You can trust him because of his love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful and incredible love that we that we are not worthy of. We thank you, O oh Lord, that we can call you Father, that we can enter your presence, that we can annoy you and bother you all the time with our often silly request. But most of all, we, we thank you to know that we can trust you with the big things and the small things in life. And so, Lord, we pray that you will help us to trust you more that we pray that you will help us to believe in you more. And we pray that we will be able to surrender our lives for our good, but ultimately for your glory. This we pray through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.